You are listening to Austin's Laundry, a podcast for the curious. This is where we give the scoop on Austin's creative scene, our city's small founded businesses, and discuss the culture that makes Austin so incredibly influential. My name is Elliot James, and I invite you to join me in discovering the new world behind creating and supporting small business and how tapping into one's passion can affect and build a community. Without further ado, let's get started. What's up, guys? On today's episode, we have Zito Hat Company with the founder and CEO, Mad Hatter himself, Austin Zito. Austin makes custom hats here in the United States, and upon the time of this episode, we recorded it here at our studio in East Austin, and I had no idea the hat-making community and the secrets that it takes to make a, a hat of such fine quality. The thing that I loved about Austin is he has no room for using materials that are not of the highest grade. And sometimes to source some of these materials in itself is its own secret and its own endeavor. And there is so much passion behind what the hat does for the human being, how it allows your soul and your spirit to sing in a new way. It's kind of as if you put on a totally new persona. So that passion matched with his entrepreneurial love for creating a hat company, for making these hats, by hand for pouring his heart and soul into every sculpture or masterpiece hat whatever you want to call it it is just absolutely inspiring and so i hope you guys enjoyed the episode that starts in three two so do you find that having that obsession to work i mean i'm not saying around the clock but kind of yeah allows you to be successful in owning a business absolutely i think that if you're not willing and prepared to put in all of your time into your business, you really are not going to get it off the ground. And um, when I first started Zito Hatco, I was working a full-time job, but it was one of those jobs that required about 60 hours a week. Six, six zero. Six zero. So I was 60 hours a week on that. And then every waking moment, I wake up early before work. And so uh-huh. I would bring a hat for lunch to sew on. After work, I'd go home and start sewing until I was ready to fall asleep. And so I was doing 60 hours a week on my full-time job and 40 hours a week on my hat company. And so there's literally no, I never had any days off and that's the way I like it. And <laughs> So that kind of work ethic, um, is that something that's always been native or did you just decide that you wanted to create something and you knew that's what it would take? Well, so I think part of it comes from uh, I grew up skateboarding. I was a semi-professional skateboarder up until I was about 22. Okay. Um, I still compete uh, every once in a while. It's mostly just for fun now. But I was, you know, that was the one of the ways that my parents motivated me to do well in school. Is like it, I wasn't allowed to go skate if I didn't have, you know, B's or better. Yeah. And so I would I would do my homework and then I would go and skate for eight hours every single day from yeah. when I was 12 until I was like 22. And now I'm doing less less skateboarding and more working, but it has the same draw and passion. And it's, it, you know, it's something that I enjoy doing, and I would always rather spend my time doing it. It doesn't ever feel like work. So. Well, what's funny is because a lot of people ask, why well, do I really know what I want to do in life? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if you're doing what you just love to do, 
if you can do it all the time, that is what will help you be successful. Um, because talk to me you about your hats. So each hat takes a little bit of time to make yeah. by hand, <laughs> correct? Yeah, so all of them are handmade completely, uh, one at a time. Usually anywhere from 15 to 20, 22 hours per hat, depends on what I do for them. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's more involved processes, like on this one, this one has an additional uh, little sterling silver toothpick. I make these oh, as wow. like little custom pieces. So can, can I see that? Guy? Yeah, of course. So all, I use sterling silver because it's you know it's uh, usable. Like yeah. It self cleans itself basically. So I have those as little add-ons. Um, all the ribbon work takes me a couple hours, but usually it's just the processing, the dry times. Um, you know, it's 20 hours of handwork into this, but the actual hat usually takes anywhere from you know a month to two months to make. A month to two months yeah. to make because every single most of the things you do is totally custom yeah it's full custom only I don't really ever have any stuff ready to go it's it's just full custom and that's what, what I enjoy because it's always different so this is beaver right this is beaver 100% beaver fur felt so the whole body of the hat is completely fur felt a lot of people are ask like what what's inside of it to make it so stiff it's literally there's nothing it's yeah. just fur and it's been compressed to give it that stiffness um, through ironing and um, then I sand it to make it uh, have that fine finish, which is what, you know, the finer the finer the finish, the, the more valuable the hat is. So yeah. that, that fine hand feel is, is kind of what makes it so alluring and why it's one of the best materials. Actually, little known fact, beaver fur felt is the strongest natural fabric in the entire world. Oh wow. Most people think it's silk, it's beaver. Wow. Yeah, it's beaver. It's pretty in, in, intense, actually. These guys will last, you know, 100 to 150 years if you if you take care of them, as long as you're not driving over them with your car constantly. Yeah, no, uh, see, 150 <laughs> years. Because right now I feel like there's a really big, there, there's two really big movements. There's a really big fast fashion movement, mm -hmm. and then there's a really big movement going back to true authentic craftsmanship. Mm -hmm. um, what you do, I think, I mean, obviously it encompasses everything that involves handmaking, and it's a, the business that you're creating, I feel like it inspires a lot of people to try to also pursue their dreams. No, yeah, I mean, what I like about hat making is that it's an extension of the wearer. So I really, I make a hat based on the shape of your face, your height, your shoulders, your style, um, what inspiration you bring to me. Like, you could give me three words and I could make a hat based on those words. What? Yeah. So, like, I've, I've, I'm actually doing one right now, and this guy was like, western, bandana, and... I can't remember the third, it was like turquoise or something. And so I'm just yeah. gonna like make something for him. And so he's gonna come and pick that up on this weekend. But you know, it's a lot of these hats are the thing that you inspires you to take your trip or to, you know, get that job or to create that thing you wanted to do. And and that's what I really, you know, value about these is I, I take my passion and experience, I put it into a hat that you get and then you then kind of transfer that into your life. And so whenever you look at this hat, um, you've done a great job. Everything looks like it's very well thought out and very well curated. Is this something that you sketch out before and you know that this has to be two inches wide and mm -hmm. this has to be, you know, so whatever diameter? Sometimes I sketch them out and that's usually based on like, if, if it's a weird abstract concept, I'll okay. sketch it out. Usually it's because I've had a dream about it and I have to draw it and like get it out of my head. Yeah. Um, and I'll wake up the next morning after I write down my nightstand notepad and start making it. But usually it's, you know, there's, there's a couple different measurements that are pretty standard that dictate what the hat looks like. Yes. And there's height, there's brim width, um, and then there's the crown shape mm -hmm. and brim shape. And those, those will really dramatically change the way that the hat looks. Um, 
This one is actually one of my personal hats. This is the most recent hat that I've finished. Um, this one is called Black Cherry. This color uh -huh. is black in the shade, but if you were to take it out into the sunlight, it would turn a little bit purple. Oh, wow. And, and it also matters what ribbons you pair it with. So all the ribbons are vintage. This is a 1940s ribbon. Um, this is called Rose Beige. Mm -hmm. It's just the color that it was listed as, but you collect all, everything vintage. There's no, no one makes new stuff for hats. So it has to be collected vintage. Um, and it's like a really traditional ribbon. I, this is the tallest hat that I could possibly make. <laughs> so if you see, like, I'll put it on real quick. Here's a, this is kind of interesting. So this is super tall, right? This is like a ridiculously tall hat. And even my wife was like, that's a little <laughs> tall. But from where your hat sits on your forehead yeah. to the bottom of your chin, and if yeah. you have a beard, all to the bottom of your beard, that's how tall of a hat you can wear. So oh this God. is my maximum height for a hat. I love a tall hat. So yeah, this is as tall as I could possibly wear with a, and still be considered well-hatted. And that's yeah. why like Abraham Lincoln, he had the big beard and he had the big hat. Oh, so isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. So how did you really fall in love with hat making? Because you said first you were really big into skateboarding. Yeah. Skateboarding hats, vintage hats, they don't necessarily have a direct correlation. <laughs> that's, that's obvious. Yeah. Um, it is not really an obvious correlation. It was... You know, my dad was really good at making stuff. I've seen him build computers from scratch. Uh, he's a classically trained French chef, hairstylist by trade now. Oh, wow. Everyone in my family is a hairstylist except for me, actually. I just cover bad haircuts. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've seen him. We used to build Volkswagens yeah. from the ground up as a, as a kid, as when I was a kid. And he would, you know, show me how to do all this stuff. Like, he can do everything. And he really yeah. instilled in me the, the idea that if you want to do something, you can. Yeah. And so I always would prefer to try something myself and invest in the tools to make it. Yeah. And so that's kind of how this happened. I was working um, in Venice Beach in about 2015 or so. Um, I was running a leather goods store mm -hmm. um, called Will Leather Goods. And one of the uh, best hat makers in the world, his name is Greg Westbrook, he started making hats for us. And so when the hats arrived into our store, he actually was originally from Venice. He came down from the shop in Eugene and started showing us how to take care of them because mm -hmm. there, you know, there was hundreds of them, and these are thousand-dollar hats if you in the shop. And so we really had to take care of them. He showed us how to steam them and clean them, and you know, a little bit of shaping. And you know, him and I became friends because I was really interested in his work. He he was a very inspiring guy. Some people called him Cowboy Greg. Um, he's always had moccasins on or cowboy boots or, and most wow. of them he made himself. Wow. Hats, vests, everything. He, he was so cool. Um, and so he became <laughs> friends and started showing me a couple extra things like how to shape them and how to manipulate them more. And he actually ended up giving me my first hat, which is this one here. Wow. Um, I've since remade it a couple times, but he was moving back up to Eugene to go continue making hats. He actually passed me off to another local hatter who was literally across the street. Mm -hmm. And he uh, basically told him, because he had, he had that much weight in the hat industry, he's like, hey, you need to show this guy how to make some hats. So I got, I got to, I, my intention was to apprentice for this guy. Um, I ended up getting married and then we decided to move to San Diego. So I only got to make two hats with him. So okay. very rudimentary, basic yeah. knowledge of hat making processes. The rest of it was learning how to do it on my own. Um, we took a road trip through Texas, and um, actually this is why we ended up moving to Austin. We took a road trip after our wedding all, the, all over through Texas and uh, Arizona, and I collected every single hat tool that I could find, because they're all vintage, they're all 1800s hat tools. Wow. And so I ended up with a pretty decent collection of these hat tools. And um, I started making a couple, 
when we got back to San Diego, I was just skateboarding really for money. And so I wasn't making very much money. And so I also was making hats just for myself yeah. and for my wife. And people would ask me like, hey, could you make me one? And so I go, hey, sure, like, let me charge you for the material and the tools to make it if I didn't already have it. Mm -hmm. So I started, you know, slowly making stuff, mostly because I wanted to. I had no intention of starting a business. I just thought it was fun to do. Um, and then in, let's see, 2016, right before we moved to Austin, I officially started Zito Hacko. And it was September. I was working in a garage. Um, right along the beach and you know I only had maybe five people uh -huh. that were buying hats for me wow and so it was like one every two months maybe so okay. it was it was very slow starting Sorry. super cool um, and it was my intention really just just to have fun so that's cool yeah you were mentioning about remaking a hat mm -hmm. so this hat was given to you yeah and then you've remade it for those people who don't really know what that means, can you yeah. explain a little bit about so, reshaping? Yeah, so basically like the hat materials are so high quality that you can reuse them and remake the hat as many times as you want, mm -hmm. um, as long as it's a nice quality material. So actually the way that I got a lot of practice when I was first starting out is on that same road trip, I also bought every single nice hat under $15 wow. and just completely gutted them and remade them. And wow. so like the first you know, 15 of my hats I wasn't selling them to people, it was just so that I could practice. Practice sewing, practice blocking them, which is the process of putting it onto the specific head molds. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't any sanding or anything involved because they've already been made. Yeah. But you know, I would clean them off and that's generally the same process. If I want to go as far as, you know, removing an old sweatband, I'll cut it out and literally completely remake the hat. So this is on its third life now, this is probably maybe five years old, but I, I wore this every wow. single day for probably three years straight. So, And I think that that's what's so cool about buying something that may cost a little bit more, mm -hmm. but it has a story and it has a like really good quality yeah. is because you're not going to throw it away in two months or <laughs> two washes or six yeah. months or whatever. The fact that you've had that for five years yeah. maybe, and it still looks just as good today as it did probably when you got it, mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, I'm very anti-fast fashion. So yeah. I, and it's kind of funny actually, any, anything that I buy, even if it's already like pretty custom, like I have to take it that extra step. So I remember my first leather jacket, my wife got me, she gave it to me and literally <laughs> immediately I took out the lining, added this big patch in the liner and it said uh -huh. born a bad seed, which is actually a women's motorcycle company. That's uh, and then I removed the lapel snaps and, uh, I, I have, I had a big coin collection as a kid. So uh -huh. I grabbed these two, um, Buffalo nickels. I carved one of them like this into a skull uh -huh. and I replaced the snap on that side with a skull and yeah. then the other side with a, like the regular Native American head that goes on it. So it's like a life and death kind of thing. And yeah. it was my motorcycle jacket what? and there's the zipper pull tabs on them that I, you know, did like a different little charm instead. And like, that's, that's everything for me. I have to customize it because it's so clothing is so personal. And that's one of the things I love about hats is like, I'm a terrible pattern maker. Mm -hmm. so I'm not really good at making clothing, yeah. but this is something that's clothing related that I can make physically and style people. And it's, it's, it's like the the best thing for me to combine everything that I like doing. So, so if someone comes to you and if they're like, "Hey, I don't think that I necessarily look good in mm -hmm. a hat," um, do you find that everyone kind of has a hat that could elevate their look? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, everyone has one. You you really just part of it is you know 
people are scared to wear it because they think that they're going to be too over the top. Yeah. I'm personally in love being over the top, but I understand it. And so I have different ways of getting around it, um, making sure that it's within people's proportions for their faces. Uh, I have three different heights for my hats that I can do. I have a low, medium, and a tall, yeah. and this is super tall. Uh, <laughs> I made like a custom block for this, but usually I'll, if someone's uncomfortable, I'll stick them in a medium yeah. if I can, and if they're still uncomfortable, I'll recommend the lower crown, yes. and then keep it um, basically inside your shoulders. You, you don't want to go past your shoulders. Okay. And then also, you know, kind of, I like to see people's style, so it's really important for me to look at their Instagram and like look at all, all of their outfits that they've posted or anything, so. See, and that, that's so, I feel like that's one thing that makes your company so special, is it's going above and beyond and figuring out who are you, who is the customer, and how can I elevate mm -hmm. you, your look and who you are as a person. Yeah. Um, in your own words, like, what do you think that makes your company so special, not in comparison to another hat company, but versus just buying a hat off of the shelf? Yeah. Well, you, so one of the main things, like, on the shelf versus custom hat is I make the hat specifically to the shape of your head, which is really important. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are opposed to hats because they've never had a hat that fit them well. Uh -huh. And you know, it's uncomfortable, it's either too big or too tight, uh, the brim is weird when you put your head in there. And so one of the things that sets you know, custom hats apart, and specifically my custom hats, because not all custom hatters do this, um, is they make, I make the hat around your head so that it fits you perfectly. It won't fall off your head if you're in the wind. I've ridden my motorcycle at like 30 miles an hour. What? With this thing on. Yeah. You just make sure you don't go any faster. It won't no, blow off, but it doesn't cool. hurt. Um, another thing too is like, you know, you can buy a hat off the rack and I always recommend people do for their first hat because you got to see if you like them yeah. and it's a good way to get into it, but you're not going to have that level of personal attention to detail. Mm -hmm. like. On one of my hats, for example, you could tell me that you are, I don't know, a Leo and I can, you know, literally take a tattoo gun and engrave like a lion into it or something. That's like cool. I can do literally whatever you want. I can, you know, put your initials in there. I can uh, stitch in any details that you think of. If you've collected some sort of trinket, I can put it on the hat. And so it makes it really very personal. And, you know, it's, it's something that if you buy a hat off the rack, you get it for that one time, it's probably going to last you a pretty long time because hats are pretty decent, but mine I have a lifetime guarantee on everything. So if you ever, like, if it does for some reason fly out the window and you see it get run over 16 times by cars on the highway, if you can get it, I will fix it for you. Oh, yeah. my. <laughs> so they, they really will last forever, and I'm going to be doing this forever. So That's cool. Yeah. As far as, like, so your day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. um, you started your company January this year. Mm -hmm. What does the day-to-day -day look like to be a yeah. hatter? So, I mean, I don't know if you can see this. This is my, my all-important list notebook. If you go through, you can see literally uh -huh. lists of stuff that I've done and drawings and stuff. But every single night before I go to bed, I make a, a quick list, usually a full page if I can help it. Yeah. And the act of just writing it down and waking up the next day knowing what I need to do is so helpful for me. I even go as far as sometimes I will actually like plan out my outfit so I don't have to think about it when I wake up. Mm -hmm. So I can immediately get in my car, run my morning errands, deliver stuff to the post office, do whatever I need to do. And so I'm crossing stuff off and that act of crossing stuff off really gets me going. I, yeah. I freaking love it. So <laughs> I'm a big list maker. If it, if it gets written down, it gets done. If it doesn't, I probably will forget about it, so. No, that's, and I think that's important too, to like, for me, having something physical with you. Yeah. Um, because it can be your phone, but I find that it's so oh, I easy. Can't, yeah, I can't do it on my phone. To forget about yeah. it, because if it's not 
in your face and to me that's not tangible mm -hmm. um it doesn't it doesn't exist it doesn't exist <laughs> um as far as you mentioned that you will make a hat shaped around the person's head yeah if someone doesn't live in austin how does that what does that process look like so usually um a typical appointment from like you know across the state i have a lot of people in kansas city actually yeah interestingly enough um i will facetime them so okay. we'll set up a FaceTime and just by looking at someone's face, like I can tell what's going to look good on you. Um, and usually, you know, they'll be wearing whatever they like to wear a lot and we can go through their inspirations and, you know, kind of what they're hoping their hat to look like Okay. and hoping that it does for them. Uh -huh. And I will take that and combine it into whatever they, whatever I think is going to look really cool on them. So do you kind of present them like, hey, I think that you're, the design that would look best for you is mm -hmm. doing something like X, Y, and Z, so they yeah. kind of know what to expect whenever they would get it? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of the times it's a combination of photos that they've sent me from my Instagram that I've, of hats I've already made, mm -hmm. and me taking ideas and trying to do something more original and based on what they are telling me uh, that they want in their hat. So I'll give them an, we settle on a design, I'll write it all down, I yeah. send them an invoice, and then I ship them out my hat tool so that with instructions on how to use it and like okay. swatches and stuff for fun, just oh, so wow. they can feel the materials that I'm gonna be using. So yeah, I still have a kind of a personalized experience even if they can't come to me in person. And I think that, I mean, that's also really weird too. It's not just like having glasses shipped yeah. over to you and you try it on, but to be actually be able to FaceTime with the owner, I think is really, really yeah. cool. Um, if you were to have a vision of where you want Zito Hat Company to go in mm -hmm. one year, two years, five years, what does that look like for you? So one year, I'm hoping by the end of this year that I have a storefront. That's my main goal is to get all of this stuff out of my home studio because like it's half my house right now. It's, it's yeah. hat, hats and you know it's driving my wife crazy a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, but more than that, it'll kind of legitimize it for myself as well. In my own eyes, is like literally getting up and driving to a location that's mine. Like that's a big milestone for me. Yes. Um, after that, I would love to actually kind of expand my product line and offer hats that are ready-made, so you can come into my shop and you know not have to wait you know three to six months sometimes if I'm getting busier and busier to get your custom hat. Yeah. You can get one that's you know, semi-custom, I'll make it for you, kind of, you know, it's, it's up to this point, I'll sew on a ribbon for you, or I'll, I'll do something personal for you, or shape it to your head for you on the spot. Yes. And then five years out, my my goal and my dream is to have kind of like a, a custom house, where you can go in and you can get, you know, a custom pair of boots, custom pants, custom jacket, custom hats, custom jewelry, like you walk That's in cool. and you're walking out fully custom. Yeah. And like that, I'm really passionate about having something personal, this idea of uh, a uniform. Okay. So I'll explain that to you real quick. Okay. The idea for the uniform is like what you are going to wear if you die and become a ghost right now. Or if you're a cartoon character, you, the, the outfit that you're wearing nonstop, like that's what I want to create for you is the thing you grab every single day and you're like, I need that to complete my outfit. I need this to like, you know, everyone has everyday jewelry and I take it many steps further into your everyday hat, your everyday boot, your everyday pant, everyday shirt. Like, that's, that's what I want to try. And I mean, and because everyone knows the feeling of putting on their favorite jacket or their mm -hmm. favorite piece of jewelry, and you walk out of the house feeling different. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I love the idea of everything that a person would want, you would just be able to fabricate it to just really encompass who they are as a human being. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really yeah. cool five-year-old. Yeah, and us usually the hat, 
hat is the thing that will complete the whole look. So, yeah. and it comes from actually, so I, I, I build custom motorcycles as a hobby. Right now I'm working on a 1963 Harley Davidson. Um, it's called a pan shovel. And so this will be done hopefully this summer, but every summer my buddies and I take um, a really long motorcycle trip throughout the country. So last year we did Durango, the million dollar highway. Uh -huh. I rode through like Roswell and like all by myself until I met up with them. And so we, we did like 3000 miles this year. I'm going to ride out to San Diego. We're going to meet in San Diego. Okay. That's already like 2000 miles for me. We're going <laughs> to ride into Mexico and just like hook into Mexico, turn around and ride all the way up the coast, um, into Canada. And wow. so that we can say we did a cross country trip. Yeah. And so it'll be about 6,000 miles for me and all, we're going to all be on bikes that are pre 1969. So, um, but the thing is, is like when you, you can only take like one outfit. So that's where that idea yeah. came from for me. Is like, what outfit am I gonna take that I want to wear for three weeks straight <laughs> and not wash? And like, you just break it in, yeah. you get it oil all over, it and it gets grimy, and it, and it tells a story. It ends up telling a really cool, compelling story. Wow. Of like who this person is. So and so for anybody that's listening, that <clears throat> assumes that a custom hat or a custom clothes that's only for rich people, mm -hmm. um, is that true? I wouldn't say so. No, it's. You're gonna spend more money buying the terrible hats that fall apart than than the one-time good hat. So for sure. like this is a forever hat, and not even just forever for yourself. Like this is for your children and your children's children, even if they're taking care of it right. So yeah, like this will last you forever, and your happiness level is gonna be, you know, through the roof versus something that you spend, you know, a three quarters of the price on an off-the-rack hat or a little bit more for the custom one. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Um, if someone were to inquire about getting a custom hat from you, where can they find you online? So most of my business is done through Instagram. That's where my entire portfolio is. It's just at Zito Hat Co. Okay. Um, you can also uh, go to my website, www.zitohatco.com, and um, you'll see kind of like the swatches and hats I've made. And uh, you'll have to email me for pricing because they change every once in a while. Okay. Um, you can email me at info at zitohatco.com and so I can send you guys over my custom order guide which will walk you through like the pricing, the process and stuff. Dude, that's cool. Yeah. Um, la actually, last question for you. So as far as you owning a business here in Austin, Texas, what does that mean to you? What do you feel like that means to the entire community of Austin is you owning something that yeah. is so unique? So Austin is, you know, it's full of makers and so it's very welcoming to be in this city. Yeah. Um, but adding to that, maker culture is, is really important to me because, you know, there's, I think there's like maybe three or four hatters in Austin okay. actually. Um, but everyone, it's very much like tattoo artists where like, you know, they're specialized in certain things. Huh. And you, you go to this hat maker for this type of thing and you go to this hat maker for the other type of thing. And it's the same with tattooing. Um, and so, you know, just adding that presence, being a part of that maker culture, there's so many great people here. And I, I really believe that because I can create, I have the obligation to do so. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, I wake up every morning thinking about like, what am I going to make today? And it's really fulfilling that I just get to do whatever I feel like. So <laughs> yeah. Um, whenever you said that you feel like you have the obligation to do it, mm -hmm. that is such a good line. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't remember where I heard it or, or why, but it's stuck with me for a long time and it's one of the big driving factors behind yeah. making is because like not everybody can make stuff. I mean like, yes, you can, if you spend a lot of time and years and years dedicating yourself to it, you can make stuff, but 
not everybody wants to and not, it's not everybody's passion. So there's a really important and special place in, in our culture to have people that make stuff. And like, if you can make something, you should be making it. You should 100% find a way to do it because everyone deserves to see it. Thank you guys so much for the listen on today's episode of Austin's Laundry. Once again, Austin Zito, I appreciate you being on this episode and uh, telling us about your story and what it really means to have a hat that can help elevate you and your persona. Um, If you all have any desire to learn about hats, try to figure out what would look good with you and your style to learn a little bit more about his quality, definitely hit up Austin or Zito Hat Company on their Instagram. I'm sure they'd appreciate a like or a follow. And once again, thank you for supporting everything that is local and beautiful about your community. Until next time, see you.